Hey, green light. Green beans go. All right. Thank you. Good to be with you this morning. Um, my wife, Tracy, is here, and one of our students, Jenny, is here. She was uh, hanging out with us this weekend. She's going to be going to camp with us later today. Dwen is going to be driving us. So uh, we are very grateful for this church and your partnership with Crossroads Farm. Um, it has been an extraordinary year for us, and we are just seeing more and more students come out and hear the gospel. Um, on our last night of regular program at the end of the school year, we had 101 students in the building. And uh, over 70% of those kids have no connection to any church or any gospel presence in their lives. And so we are so thankful because churches like Cold Springs, you're, you're sending students like these three wonderful students in the back there. And many others are coming from your congregation. Uh, you're praying for this ministry. Many of you are supporting it with your time and your resources. And we are just very, very grateful. So um, thank you for that partnership. Uh, we couldn't reach students without your help. It's a community effort. Amen. So thank you for being a part of that. And uh, I'm excited to be here and to preach this morning. Um, when I when the, the opportunity came up, Tabitha said, yeah, just preach as long as you want. And I said, amen, sister. I need to get in these charismatic churches more often. I grew up Baptist. <clears throat> we had to be out quick because we had to beat the Methodists to the buffet. <laughs> so uh, get comfortable. All right. I've been wanting to do this my whole life. So uh, yeah, I, I know it's a 1215 lunch. She said that looked right at me. 1215. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this morning, I want to be in the book of Hebrews with you and uh, let the, uh, I love the scriptures, right? <clears throat> because it does not matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you're a Baptist, uh, a Methodist, a Lutheran, if you're a charismatic, a Pentecostal, assemblies of God, it doesn't matter, does it? Because the scriptures were given to us so that God's children would be blessed. And I'm having a heck of a time with this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe I just have odd-shaped ears. I never thought about that until right now. Uh, but the scriptures speak to us in any context. And, and I love that about the scriptures. And when I bring the word to, this morning to you, it's God's word. It's not mine. And uh, and my prayer, even as, as Tabitha just prayed moments ago, that the spirit would speak this morning uh, through me and to you. And, uh, and that's the beauty of the scriptures is it's coming from God. And so I, I hope the word ministers to you this morning. I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 7 and then we're going to back up here, okay? Uh, verse 7 says this, reading from the NIV this morning, it says, Endure hardship as discipline. Isn't that a fun passage to dive into this morning? Endure hardship as discipline. Uh, we're going to just stop for a moment right there and just take that in for a second. Endure Hardship as discipline. I, I don't know about you, but I don't like the hardship passages in Scripture. I don't. I don't like when Paul says, hey, be prepared, because if you're going to live a godly life, hard times are going to come your way. I think that's garbage, Paul. That's what I feel inside, right? But it's the scriptures. It's what God says. So we have to process this together. And this morning, I want to think about these four words, endure hardship as discipline. And and I want to think about this in, in the light of, of the book of Hebrews here, particularly in chapter 12. So uh, back up a little bit with me to verse 1. Uh, and, and let's get a little context here of uh, where verse 7 falls here. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So the writer of Hebrews is drawing us into this greater community. And it's this community of believers, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, that, that isn't just this community, but it's a, it's a history uh, of faith. And it's the history of the community of faith uh, being together. And it's a, it's a beautiful picture. In fact, the writer of Hebrews chapter 11 tells us all about the great men and women of Scripture. And then he says, there are so many others we don't even have time to talk about. But it is a, a rich and beautiful community. This church has a rich and beautiful community of faith, doesn't it? One of the coolest things I got to be a part of uh, since we've moved to Kalkaska was I was here when Pastor Brent had his last Sunday here. And, and what a cool thing for him to transition to the new pastoral team. And the fact he still attends church here, that does not happen in very many communities. Most of the time when a pastor leaves, he just walks away. There's hurt feelings. There's anger. There's not that sense of love and community that exists. What a beautiful thing. And the writer of Hebrews says, we were surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, this community of faith. So he tells us uh, three things. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us get rid of the sin that entangles and let us run with perseverance. And I want to talk about these things briefly this morning. Uh, a few years ago, my wife and I, well, I'm going to say my wife had the idea because it was not my idea. But my wife had this idea. She said, hey, we should run a half marathon reflectively, I think it's one of the worst ideas my wife has ever had. And I think she's full of great ideas. But she said, let's run a half marathon. I'm not a runner. I've never enjoyed running. And um, my wife's like, this would be great. This would be really good for us. And I was like, would it be good for us? (laughs) But as usual, she prevailed. And uh, so we started training for a half marathon. And I learned a lot about my walk of faith through this experience. Uh, if you've ever run any any distances, uh, you know the challenges of running, and most of them are up here in your head, right? And, and the writer of Hebrews says, the very first thing he says is, let us throw off everything that hinders. When, it, when I first started to run, I, I began to realize I had a lot of hindrances. In fact, the very first day, I thought, okay, so a half marathon is 13.1 miles, if you don't know. And if you don't know, that means you've never run one. Good for you. Uh, But it's 13.1 miles. And uh, the first day, I had a Fitbit, and I set my Fitbit to go, and I took off running. I thought, I'm just going to see how far I can go. And I just ran. We're on a property. We just ran all over the property. And I come back, and Kira, don't laugh. I came back, and I'm like hyperventilating. I'm like, oh, I feel like my lungs are about to implode. And I'm like, I must have just covered like seven miles. Like, and I look at my Fitbit, and it's like 0.8 miles. <laughs> I'm like, that's impossible. This thing's broken, you know. And it's like, your heart rate's really fast. Are you sure you should be running? I'm like, shut up. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I like hadn't even run a mile. And I felt incapacitated. And my wife's like, yeah, we should run 13.1 of those. And I'm like, oh, no. Right? So I started, I did a little bit of reading on, on, on running. I tried to figure some things out. And one of the things I figured out quickly is you don't want any extra weight while you're running. Like, you don't want to be carrying anything. Like, I'd carry a water bottle because I wasn't sure if it was worse to die because I couldn't breathe or because I, you know, ran out of liquid in my body. But even carrying a water bottle was just a nuisance. And like, you just didn't want to have it. You want to strip away everything that hinders your running. And the writer of Hebrews says, hey, we're surrounded by this community of faith. We're going to go forward together. 
But we got to get rid of things that hinder. And here's the thing about this that's a little tricky. Is he's not talking about sin problems. That's the next phrase. The next phrase is to cut away any of the sin. And, and that's kind of easy. Like if you grew up in the church, if you're, you're here today, you probably understand that, right? There's sin that entangles us. And the writer of Hebrews says, hey, we got to get rid of that too, right? But, but the first thing he says is hindrances, which are not sins. This gets kind of personal kind of quick. Because what's a hindrance to me might not be a hindrance to you. But the writer of Hebrews says, if you're going to run the life of faith that God's called you to, you're going to have to cut away some things that are a hindrance to you. Not sins, but hindrances. When, when my wife and I, we'd only been married a few years. We had our, our first son, AJ. He was our only son, our first child, AJ. Uh, he, he was just a few months old, and a, a missionary came to our church and shared about a work he was doing. And we thought, man, we want to support this guy. And um, we, we, we kind of, my wife and I prayed about an amount, and we kind of came up with an amount of like $60 a month. This is what we want to do to support him. Um, we were pretty new in ministry. We just bought a house. We got a kid. We did not have $60 a month to give this missionary. But God put that number on our heart. We're like, okay, that's the number. So we just started praying, God, what are we going to do? Where's this 60 going to come from? And uh, while we were praying about that, um, I had this this moment uh, in the middle of the night with my son. He woke up crying, and I, and I picked him up, and it was like 2 a.m., and I, I went out to the, the front room so, so Tracy would keep sleeping, and I turned on the TV. It's 2 a.m., and back then we had um, satellite TV, and we basically had it for five channels, okay? These are the five channels I watched, um, ESPN. ESPN 2, ESPN News, which is the same thing every 30 minutes, but I still watch it. ESPN Classic, which is just old games you already know the outcome of, but you watch them again because they're good. And then if nothing else was on, I'd go to ESPN Deportes and watch it in Spanish. Okay, I'm Mexican, and so those really were the five channels I watched. Uh, You know, Tracy had some other ones she liked, but... Uh, I really liked those five channels. And, and, and I remember vividly, it is 2.30 in the morning. My son, I'm trying to rock him back to sleep. And I have ESPN Deportes on because there was nothing else that I thought was worth watching. I was watching a dart championship in Dublin being translated into Spanish. And I actually cared about the outcome. I was like vested in this. And the guy's talking, he's like, here comes O'Shaughnessy. And they're like, Vinga O'Shaughnessy. And it's just like, oh, and I'm getting into this. And one guy wins. And I'm all mad. I'm mad at 2.30 in the morning about who won a dart contest in Dublin. Like, I have issues, right? You're like, amen, pastor. <laughs> Within like a day or two of this event, my wife and I are sitting, I came home for lunch, and I, I brought in the mail. We're sitting at the table opening the mail, and the bill showed up for our satellite. You know how much our bill was we were paying every month? Well, $62.54, but who's counting, right? And it hit me right there. I was like, oh, we have 60 bucks right here. And I, I turned to Tracy, and I showed her the bill, and I was like, we should get rid of our satellite and, and we can help support this missionary. And she's like, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, do it now, woman, before I change my mind. <laughs> like, uh, and, and, and you see, 
what I realized in that moment was ESPN was a hindrance to me. Now, it's not a sin to watch ESPN. Most of the time, I don't think. (laughs) But it was a problem for my faith. It was a problem because God was calling me, God was calling my wife and I to support this missionary couple, and we couldn't find that 60 bucks a month. And all of a sudden, there it was. It was, even though it said satellite, it was really just ESPN. And God was saying, all right, are you going to follow me or are you going to keep following darts in a pub in, in Ireland at 2.30 in the morning? What are you going to do? I wish I could tell you it was such an easy decision, right? But my heart was kind of torn because I really like ESPN. And you're sitting here going, well, Pastor, I don't have an ESPN problem. Praise God. You have a problem, though, right? What is the hindrance in your life? It's not a sin issue because he does tell us, hey, get rid of the sin in your life. But what is the hindrance in your life that's keeping you from being obedient to God? Because there are things in our life that we elevate and we put between us and God. And we don't think of it as a problem because the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not have ESPN. But there's something that's come up in your life, something that's come up in my life that is blocking us from being obedient to God. And it could be any number of things. It could be your hobbies. It could be your work. We can put our family between us and God. Think about that for a moment. Where our family becomes more important to us in our relationship with God. That's a problem. What hindrances in your life are keeping you from being obedient? Because when we move on here, as we talk about this, these hindrances and we talk about these sins, the writer of Hebrews says, God's going to help expose those things in your life. So verse two, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So we get rid of the hindrances, throw off everything that hinders. We cut away the sin that entangles us. And now we fix our eyes on Jesus because we're going to run the race he's marked out for us. So it's in this context here in Hebrews chapter 12 that we, that we move ahead to verse 7, right? Endure hardship as discipline. You see, God goes, hey, I, Joe, I have a race for you. I want you to run a race. And there's going to be hindrances that are going to come up in your life to keep you from running it. And there's going to be sin that's going to entangle you. And it's going to keep you from running it. But I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. But sometimes my eyes aren't fixed on Jesus. Do your eyes ever get distracted from Jesus? It's okay to shake your head, yeah, because we all do, right? <laughs> hey, look at the person next to you and just say, hey, you get distracted from Jesus. Go ahead, just tell them. Just let them know. It might be new to them. Just tell them. Be gentle. Be gentle. Okay. Every one of us gets distracted from keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Even though we're told, hey, remove the hindrances, get rid of the sin, we all get distracted. So what does God do? This loving, gracious God, what does he do? He helps us. And he brings hardship into our lives, not because he's cruel, but because he wants to get our attention again. And and I love this phrase, endure hardship is discipline. That word discipline is actually really interesting. It's translated a couple different ways in the New Testament And the other most common way it's translated is the word training. Endure hardship. Think of it that way, as training. It's not discipline. Like some of us, I think we have this warped view of God. Like he just wants to spank us all the time. Every time we go wrong, he just wants to beat us. I don't know. Anybody kind of grow up in a home like that, you know? 
Like God is just vindictive and he's angry and he's waiting for you to mess up. But that's not what the writer of Hebrews is saying. The writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, this God loves you and and he wants to train you up. Why? Because he knows the race that you and I are supposed to run. Hebrews 1 says uh, to run, uh, uh, Hebrews 12, 1 tells us we're going to run this race that he marked out for us. God knows the race course. And he says, so let me train you for it. Now, I don't know about you. How, how many of you ever got spanked when you were a kid? Just go ahead, put your hands. Okay, no judgment here. No judgment. Okay. If your hand's not up, you were spoiled. I'm just going to tell you now. Okay, all right. I'll just leave it there. All right. Uh, okay, uh, hands up. Let's go. Hands up. How many got spanked? That's okay. Confession time. All right. How many of you got, uh, let's see, how many of you got like a wooden spoon or something like that? Okay, that means mom spanked you probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How many of you got the switch? Oh, a few of you. Okay. How many of you had to go pick out your switch? Yeah, that's the, that was the worst. All right. Um, how many of you just got like maybe a, a bare hand on the bottom or something? How many of you got spanked with the hand? Okay. That could be mom or dad. Just kind of depends on whose switch you flip there. All right. Uh, how many of you got the belt? Okay. Some of you have had your hands up like four or five times. I'm a little worried about your childhood. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it is, it, it's, it's interesting to think about this discipline that we had growing up, right? And, and, and hear me, maybe you grew up in an abusive home, and, and I, I certainly am not making light of, of that. In fact, the writer of Hebrews goes on to tell us, uh, we all had earthly fathers that disciplined us, and, and some of them failed. And, and I'm sorry if that's the home you grew up in. But that's not the God we have. He doesn't fail. I had a pretty good earthly dad. I, I, he's 84 years old, and, and my parents love the Lord. And my dad used the belt. And um, I, I earned a few belt lickings. I know, it seems hard to imagine, but yeah, I had a few of those. Uh, one time, uh, I was like in fourth grade. We are at the dinner table, and we all sat in the same place at the dinner table. I don't know if you did that in your home. We all kind of had your designated spots. Um, <clears throat> there were four kids, and my mom and my, mom and my dad... And I always sat right on the left of my dad. I thought I was his favorite kid. And I learned years later, it's just so he could get a hold of me faster. <laughs> but, you know. Um, so one day my mom is bringing dinner uh, to the table. We had a pretty traditional home. And she, she brought dinner to the table. And I said something. I actually don't remember what I said. I just know it was hilarious. Um, but apparently kind of rude. And my dad turned to me. And, and he's a little Mexican man. I, I'm, I'm a little over six foot tall. I'm the tallest person like in my family, maybe ever, right? Just a bunch of short Mexican men. My dad was a short Mexican guy, real thick, grew up in Oakland, California, grew up on, on the streets of Oakland. And, and he put his paw on the table, kind of hit the table hard to get my attention, right? And, and he, he said something like, hey, you know, are, are you sure that's, that's the tone you want to take, you know? And I was like, yeah, that, that was kind of funny. And then he said these words, do you want me to take my belt off? Yeah, no is right. Um, Now, I'm in fourth grade. I didn't know that that was a rhetorical question. He didn't actually want me to answer. But I was working on a comedy routine, so I thought, here's a good opportunity to try my my hand at stand-up comedy. So I turned to my dad. After he asked me, do you want me to take my belt off? I looked right at him, and I said, not if your pants are going to fall down. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's fourth grade. That is clever fourth grade humor. 
My dad did not see any humor in this. I think my siblings, my older brothers, thought it was funny, but they just looked down at their plates because they knew if they laughed, they were going to be next. And the funny thing is, my dad's belt came off and my pants fell down. (laughs) That's weird. Um, So my my dad said the, the worst words you could ever hear in our house. Go to your room. Okay, your sentencing has already happened. There's no more appeals court. There is no way out. And so I marched down to the room and I'm thinking, my dad has no sense of humor. Um, and my dad would uh, prepare f- for discipline. And if he was here, God bless him, he would deny this. And uh, he'll be here this summer. You can go, you go ask him yourself. He'll deny that this happened. But he used to walk past our rooms when we were ready for discipline and you would hear the belt jingling. He says, I would never do that. All my siblings go, yeah, you did that. It was pure torture. Just come in and spank me, please. Get this over with, right? And, but I, I, this, this one spanking, I, I never forgot because after the torture of the jingling belt, my dad walked in and he sat down on the bed next to me and he's got the belt with him. And he says, do you know why I'm about to spank you? Yeah, because you don't have a sense of humor, dad. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I didn't say that. Uh, he said, I'm going to spank you because you were rude to your mom. And I gave you a chance to take it back, and you made it worse. He says, the Bible says you have to honor your father and mother, and you didn't honor your mother. He goes, I'm going to give you a spanking to remind you that you need to honor your mom. It was a good spanking. And and I'll tell you, I never was disciplined again for that kind of remark at the table. (laughs) I'm not saying I was, I mean, I was disrespectful a lot growing up. But but I never forgot that spanking I got that day. And, and what was happening? My dad was training me. This discipline, it, it was a punishment, right? But it, he was trying to train me to live differently in relationship to my parents. Now, the writer of Hebrews says, in fact, let, let, let's jump down just a little bit. Look at verse 9. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. The writer of Hebrews says, yeah, your, your, your earthly father disciplines you, trying to help you, trying to train you. And sometimes they mess up. They do as best they can. If you ever disciplined your own kids, you've messed up a time or two. My dad, I I got a spanking one time I didn't deserve, which made up for the several I should have had and didn't get probably. But one time, uh, my sister and I growing up, we didn't get along very well. And I'm grateful now we have an awesome relationship, but we didn't get along very well. One time we were passing each other in the hallway and she slapped her leg as hard as she could and then screamed, Joe, ow, and starts crying. I got swatted so good. I was, that was one I was pretty ticked about. But uh, Because our earthly fathers make mistakes. Your heavenly father never makes a mistake. And, and when he introduces training, when he introduces hardship into your life, it's because he's training you for what's next in the race. He's training you for what's next in the race. He knows. And so uh, back at verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. This training, this hardship isn't a vindictive, angry God. It's a loving, heavenly father who says, I want you to run the best race you possibly can. 
And so we face hardship and we know this hardship isn't a punishment from God. It's a training for what's next in the race. And then we jump down to verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. See, there it is again, right? The word training. Discipline is never pleasant. I never got a spanking from my dad where I thought, Dad, that was, that was so good. Would you give me another one right here? Could you get my other cheek this time, right? I never once thought that. I never once came home and thought, hey, Dad, I really messed up at school. I think I deserve to be grounded. Would you please ground me? Right? Nobody does that, right? How many of you tried to get away with stuff, and then when you got caught, it was worse, right? Yeah, no discipline is pleasant because it's meant to train us. And the writer of Hebrews says, if we will look to God, our loving Heavenly Father, who disciplines us to get us on the race and to help us run the race he's called for us, he says, oh, it's a, it's a beautiful outcome. Rather than this wretched, terrible thing we try to avoid, we realize that through our training, righteousness and peace awaits us. I don't know about you. I could always use more righteousness and peace in my life. And God says, I'm going to help you. There's going to be some hard things in this life. But be trained by it. Because if you will, that outcome is the one that you really want. And see, that's the hard thing. When, when my wife and I were, were training for this race, we, we had made a goal together that we were going to start the race and we were going to finish the race. That, that was our goal, right? It sounds, sounds mundane, but it really was important to us. We wanted to start it and we wanted to finish. We didn't want to quit anywhere in the race. And in order to get to that place where you can run 13.1 miles, it required a lot of training. I remember vividly one day I ran eight miles. It was the first time I'd ever run eight miles in my life. And the last part of the, the stretch right before our home, it was just this, it wasn't a long hill, but it was a steep hill. And, and I just had to push up it. And I just remember pushing, pushing, pushing and realizing I had just run eight miles. And, and I started to catch a glimpse of what it would be like to run 13.1. And when we finished the race, it was kind of emotional. It's kind of a big deal to finish this race and to have run 13.1 miles. But the only reason we were able to finish is because we were trained by the discipline in the process. I got a little metal. I still pull it out every once in a while. Sometimes when I, if I'm going to preach out of this pastor, I might even wear it just to show off because it is the last half marathon I'm ever running. <laughs> ever. Okay. Just, all right. Um, <clears throat> What a petty thing, though, in one sense, right? Compared to walking through the gates of glory to well done, good and faithful servant. That, that's the reward we really want, isn't it? That when this life is over and we enter the next, God says, I am so pleased that you are here, my son, my daughter, because you ran well. You will only receive that, and I will only receive that if we choose to be trained by the hardships in our life. Hardships are coming, aren't they? Maybe you're in the middle of one right now. Maybe maybe you're in a messed up situation with your family. Maybe the neighbor is killing you right now, right? 
Maybe there's something going on at work. Maybe there's something going on in your marriage with your children. Maybe there's something going on at school. Maybe there's something going on wherever, and, and you're in it. Maybe it's with your health or your finances or whatever, and you're going through this hardship, and you keep asking God, why? Well, I'm telling you why. God's using this hardship. He wants to train you by it. So maybe instead of saying, why, God, we should ask, what, God? What do you want me to learn through this? Because I want to be the person you created me to be, Ephesians 2.10. So I can do what you created me to do. And God says, that happens through hardship. That happens through the hills in the race. Our um, half marathon was out at Sleeping Bear Dunes. It was really fun because the first half of it was all downhill. But there's a weird thing. When you turn around, all that downhill is now uphill. Literally, the whole last half of the, the, mar- the half marathon was all uphill. And, and you know what's interesting is we were being passed by the marathoners. I hated every one of those. They had to go twice as far, and they come back, and they're running by, and they're like, hey, you're doing great. And it's like the naughty, I just wanted to trip them. I was like, yeah, so are you. Da, da, da. Like, they weren't even breathing hard. And, and, and you, But what's interesting about the book of Hebrews is it doesn't say, run your race faster than everybody else. No, the writer of Hebrews says, just run your race. But we're all running together in this community. I am not called to run your race, and you are not called to run mine. But you're called to help me, and I'm called to help you. And when there's hardship, there's nothing better than having someone to run with. Amen? I would not have finished the marathon without my wife. I wouldn't have started the marathon without my wife. I think she would tell you she probably wouldn't have finished if if I hadn't been running with her. We're in this together. And you're going to experience the hills of life, the hardship. And it's not a cruel God punishing you. It's a loving God training you. And maybe life is pretty good. Maybe you're in the downhill stretch right now. I'm I'm an eternal optimist. and, And I'm here to tell you the uphill stretches are coming. Okay, be trained by them. Experience the righteousness and peace God wants for your life as you continue to run the race he's mapped out for you. God, thank you for this scripture. Thank you for this reminder of your love for your children. Not as a a cruel dictator who who loves to punish people when they mess up, but you're a loving father who who wants to uh, train us to be the people that you've created us to be to fulfill the mission you've put us on earth to fulfill. Lord, I'm grateful that we run this race together. I'm so grateful for this church who has come around uh, uh, the ministry to teenagers, who who has come around personally to our family to bless and encourage us in this journey. And Lord, may our mutual encouragement push each other further into the race than we could ever go by ourselves. Lord, we pray that we would be a people who embrace your training. Lord, that we, that we quit questioning the why of what you're doing and we start to ask what it is you want us to learn from these experiences that we may run without hindrance and without sin the race you marked out for us. We love you, God. Thankful for these scriptures and this reminder in the name of your son, we pray.